Hello, I'm Howard Mirziak, founder and president of Lacuna Incorporated. Why remember a destructive love affair? Here at Lacuna, we have perfected a safe, effective technique for the focused erasure of troubling memories. In a matter of hours, our patented non-surgical procedure will rid you of painful memories and allow you a new and lasting peace of mind you'd never imagined possible. This is a hoax, right? I assure you, no. Is there any risk of brain damage? It's on a par with a night of heavy drinking. Nothing you'll miss. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 105 of Vague Zone. I am one of your hosts, Daniel. I'm Thomas. And today we are continuing our coverage of love. Is this our first love movie? Or second, second love movie? After our Dirty Dancing. Okay, Dirty, Dirty, Dirty Dancing. Dancing. It has been, we've ha- taken a little break. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is Thomas's choice for love. And it is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yes. Thomas, will you read for us the synopsis before we dive in? Yep, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, 2004, directed by Michel Gondry. When the relationship, tur- sorry, when their relationship turns sour, a couple undergoes a medical procedure to have each other erased from their memories. Wonderful, Thomas. Why did you pick Eternal Sunshine for love? So I picked this one not only because it's regarded as one of the better romantic movies of like the 2000s and it's i I picked it because i'm a huge michelle gondry fan i think his work is incredible i'm a a fan of be kind rewind i love how whimsical and visual and creative that movie is but also i have the dvd collection of like the work of michelle gondry has like all his music videos and short films in it and i've gotten i have that in my studio back home and i've gotten stoned and watched that countless times i just love his work with uh, Bjork, the Chemical Brothers, uh, the Foo Fighters, uh, the White Stripes. Like, he's just such a great visionary, visually driven director. And when we're talking about the theme of love, this sort of came up as sort of like a, a, an easy choice because it's just, it was really honest. It's really, I think it's really raw. It's like a kind of, it's like a breakup movie essentially, but like it has this like great science fiction kind of element to where they, they both go to this. Uh, this mysterious kind of medical place to get their memories just like completely erased, to get the person erased from their memories. And mm-hmm. it's just so visually driven. I, I thought it would be a really good choice. And yeah, I think it's just really provocative in that way. And yeah, it's held down by two really fantastic performances from Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. And even the entire cast is just like fantastic in this. And um, Beck is one of my favorite artists. Yeah. So having like the Beck song, sort of like everybody's got to learn sometime. Having that sort of bookend, this movie is just really sweet and tender as well. And yeah, there's just so many great things about this movie. And yeah, it sort of it felt like a no brainer a little bit. Uh, what do you? What's your relationship to Eternal Sunshine? Um, <clears throat> I remember seeing it. I think in high school. I mean, this came out in 2004, and I graduated high school in 2006, so I was the right age for it, I guess. Um, and yeah, I was familiar with Michelle Gondry because of his music videos. Um, I, unfortunately, I missed this in theaters. So I ended up having to catch it on DVD. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think this movie's incredible. <laughs> like, uh, it's kind. Of, I'm a little upset that you chose it because it's gonna be hard to top. <laughs> um, it's 
I mean, I like uh, so I'm on the IMDb page right now, and the trailer is sort of like auto playing, and I can't help but be like sucked into it. Visually, it's so impressive. Yeah. Um, like you could speak to uh, the way you know when the characters are navigating the mind of Jim Carrey and his memories that they're being pulled into various locations all within one shot, and like the artistry of like composing these uh, this complicated blocking. Um, but like even just like the cinematography just like the look of it it's got such a a feel um it yeah like this very like dreamy sort of uh overcast quality um using spotlights to create vine- uh vignetting effects and uh to you know hide the uh details that we have trouble remembering uh yeah, and even yeah. carrying over that spotlight into the external story the story that takes place outside of jim carrey's head and like using it to just sort of kind of amplify the emotions of the moment and uh, the editing, cutting inside and outside of his brain, cutting between memories, like all of it's fucking incredible. And like the John Bryan score, um, like, I don't know, man, it's, it's a really fucking good movie. Like this time around, I will say like, if I have anything negative to say about it, uh, I felt like the character of Clementine kind of annoyed me. <laughs> like, <laughs> gotcha, yeah. as soon as like they start, uh, you know, talking to each other, what's going through my mind is like, dude, these are like red flags. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't pursue this person. But uh, bit, you know, yeah. they build up uh, Jim Carrey to be like this sort of, you know, he's like a pretty lonely guy. He's pretty down on himself. He doesn't think of himself as interesting, and so he's sort of searching for someone to uh add some color to his life and it comes in the form of this very colorful person with her uh dyed hair and yeah, spontaneity <laughs> spontaneity like shaking him out of his uh you know restlessness i guess um and so yeah like part of me is also a little irritated by jim carrey sometimes like he says some stuff that's really insensitive on occasion but um yeah yeah but uh I don't know like that's that's couples <laughs> like that, that that's what happens between people sometimes um, yeah I think as a breakup movie it's very it does a great job of being representative of like uh, I, I just remember like having a breakup where like I, you end up with all this shit that the other person left in your life like <laughs> records and drawings and notes and all that stuff and it's like okay well now I have to go through the ritual of getting rid of all this stuff, deciding what to keep, deciding what to give back, uh, and watching this, you know, I'm over a decade removed from my last breakup. And so it kind of brought back some feelings that like, I forgot I ever had. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. And, I was kind of dreading watching it. Cause I'm also, I'm on huh. the other side of that spectrum where I'm like, I'm still in these streets. I'm still out here like yeah. doing the dating thing. And yeah, there's a lot of moments in this where, I was like, yeah, like the, the theme of erasing memories and erasing like those kind of relationship connections really re- resonated, but also, yeah, just the idea that like, yeah, like you don't, you, finding like that right person, but also like, you don't want to like be dulled quote unquote, or you don't, don't want to be like trapped with this, this person you don't really like. And yeah, it's, I don't know. There's a very, there's like a couple of like relationships on display here so, and none of them are perfect by any means. And mm. yeah, I just really appreciate like 
the honesty of it. And I think that's something that really makes this movie stand out is because, yeah, even one of my first notes was, yeah, Kate Winslet's kind of Kate Winslet's character has this like manic pixie dream girl kind of quality to it. Mm -hmm. But even the movie itself vocalizes against that when she's like, like, I'm very messy. I'm very fucked up. Guys want to like have me sort of like join their life and like fix all those things, but like yeah. that's just like it's just not how it works. It's like and, that's what he wants, but that's there's more to this person than just that. Yeah, there's so there's so much more to that, and also the fact that yeah, like uh, Jim, like you mentioned, Joel, his character, like he seems very like mild and like very good from the surface level but he's taking all these jabs at her like yeah just like saying like all this shit he's like you know there's so many lines in this when he's like you know she they're in bed together and she wants to know more about him and he's like just because we're talking doesn't mean we're communicating and it's like yeah and then like she like offers him beer at the chinese restaurant he's like oh now she's gonna be stupid drunk and just like just yeah like, even this he's just, a piece like, of shit a, yeah like even <laughs> as, as a thought i'm just like damn man like you're really just like but i think that's that's like the toll of resentment over time i think yeah. is what some of that stuff is um yeah i don't know like i feel like we should, can we just talk about the ending can we just like, jump into it you think? yeah sure yeah <clears throat> well it is a, a non-linear narrative so it does it starts yeah. with yeah end. you know that like <laughs> they break up <laughs> yeah. uh but like when they realize that they've erased each other from each other's memories and they're listening to all the horrible shit they've said about each other like it's interesting like as someone who's gone through like a very messy breakup like i remember saying like every horrible thing i could possibly say to this person uh when i was so upset with them and then like you know it took years before i could like look back and think you know what like we were just stupid kids like yeah. we were just stupid kids behaving like stupid kids like there's no reason to hold on to that resentment um and so i don't know it's interesting that like you know this this romance is redeveloping it is developing for a second time after they've already uh disappeared each other <laughs> forgotten yeah. each other and so they're immediately being hit with all of the negative feelings that uh, developed over the course of that relationship. And so it's like, could you like work something out? Like knowing how, how bad you would potentially feel if you like get all of that out of the way from the beginning and like you try and contextualize that yeah. uh, as an outsider kind of like, could you make it work? Um, I think it's beautiful that this movie ends with like, basically them confessing that like well maybe it won't <laughs> like yeah. if 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 we're gonna still experience that pain like let's just experience the pain and move forward like yeah let's just uh, see if it works yeah or let's see if it doesn't like when yeah, the time yeah. comes where if things fall apart like that will be okay like yeah. because this the beauty that you can experience together can be so profound that it can be worth the pain uh yeah yeah one thing I really appreciate about how that plays out is is after uh, Kirsten Dunn's character sort of gives all of the tapes back to the patients um, from the company, 
end. Jim Carrey, he's in the car with Clementine. Uh, sorry, Joel is in the car with Clementine, and we we hear Clementine's tape because they don't know. They're, they're like, "What is this?" And she just puts it in and plays it. And her, like her reasoning for erasing him, she's like, "I just think he's boring." Like, I like is that like enough reason to sort of erase him? And but it's, it's like, like it's just, that, it is that why? No, it's like, no, not yeah, no, that's yeah. not why. But I just like that at least how it plays out. It's just that one kind of note from her. Yeah. But then when Clementine arrives at Joel's apartment, it's like this very long, like winded, like explanation. He has like all this shit. He's like criticizing her over her vocabulary. He's yeah. like calling her fake. He's like has this whole suspicion of like, does she just have sex with people just to get close with them? Like he just has like this laundry list of things. And I just like how there's just like a really good uh, contrast between mm-hmm. what they sort of aren't into with each other. But then they do get this middle ground where they're like, you know what? Like, fuck it if it doesn't go out if it doesn't work out then that's fine too let's just give this another shot anyway yeah 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 that's like after this whimsical crazy fun house ride through his mind uh like that's like one of the biggest like noteworthy things of this movie and i want to ask like is there a part or a sequence that like sticks out to you do you think that's like that you like the most as far as like diving into his memories within that's like such his a big, head yeah yeah within <laughs> his head it's such like a big part of this movie i mean i think it's really cool when once we get to the point where he's like okay i have to hide her in other memories and then now yeah. we're playing with like seeing young joel uh we get a chance to kind of develop him as like i don't know we get we get to understand his psychology a little bit more, and I don't necessarily yeah. know that like I, I I haven't like done that I haven't like done the analysis of like okay what is him being forced to kill a bird by all of these other boys what does that say about the man he became and like what it, like the fact that this is such a deep memory that he's masturbating at drawings and then he gets caught by his mom <laughs> like yeah like she like, says let's go into a humiliation and so, yeah, yeah but it's like how has this created the joel the, the adult joel that we understand uh, i haven't done that whole like psychoanalysis um but like yeah i don't know it's just like a collage <laughs> you know it's just it's, it's those memories like yeah. and it's giving but it's like giving you the meat that like you could play around with that and you could figure out like okay like how does like how does this color his relationship with clementine <laughs> like like what sort of man did this make him out to be um yeah. yeah i don't know i like just the the simplicity of like all the boys are like bullying him and egging him on to like kill this bird and then like the girl she's like grabs him and just like walks away with him and it's yeah. like just like this the simplicity of like just that person but saving then him. they take turns suffocating <laughs> each other right or like choking yes. each other or something? <laughs> yeah yeah and so it's like and so later on we see that playing out between him and adult clementine they're taking turns with the pillow putting the pillar over each other's faces so it's like okay did we just see like the uh creation of a fetish for joel yeah yeah definitely <laughs> there's something like a, a seed got planted and then we get to see how it plays out yeah his relationship with women lives. yeah yeah definitely what about you did you have a, a a favorite moment in the mind of joel um i really like well this kind of ties in i think i might have worded it a little differently but yeah whenever i think about the sequence of movies i'm just thinking about the creativity of these camera tricks and Mm -hmm. just like all of these really incredible little moments that happen within this movie that are just like even the small things of just like him walking up to elijah wood's character patrick and, and turning him around and it's just like a head yeah but one thing i really enjoy is 
early on when these things start to unfold and start to become circular is he's following her in the car and uh, just like a car falls out, just like falls out of the sky, just like really randomly. And then they get to like a portion of the street. He like follows her from one end of the sidewalk to the other. And it just becomes like this loop. But also yeah. while it's looping, the details of the store back you know, like are like fading away and disappearing. Mm-hmm. And I think that just kind of describes the ethos and like just the mindset of the, the mindset of this movie so perfectly of just like, yeah, so he's like chasing after her, trying to like reconnect but also in these moments in this moment of like a memory or reality it's like just being erased in a really like visual way is really nice um i read something about like i want to say like during that scene they were going to have clementine's leg disappear or like uh, or maybe maybe it even happens in the movie and i just didn't notice but like yeah i guess her like leg disappears during a scene (laughs) yeah it was cool like going back and watching like the featurettes and behind the scenes and hearing about like all of the things that they wanted to do in this movie and didn't because Michelle Gondry just had just tons and tons of concepts to like depict these memories being taken away and deleted. One I thought was really interesting and the iconic shot that's in the poster of them in Montauk laying on, it might not be Montauk. It might just be the place she takes in. There's laying on the frozen river Mm -hmm. And they're looking at constellations or whatever. It's really cute, really sweet. And Michelle, he had an idea to have Joel's car be driving under the ice. And so they were thinking about, like, putting the car down there when the water was, mel- like, melted and then waiting for it to freeze. Oh. And then, like, or, then, like, dragging it under with the headlights on. And it's like, that's just... They couldn't just <laughs> construct, like, ice to put over a car for, like, the one I, shot? I don't know. It's just <laughs> ballsy off-the-wall fucking ideas that they were, like, contemplating and considering, and I just think that's yeah. really fucking fantastic. It was interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I don't have all the... Uh, I don't have the DVD, so I don't have access to all that, but I was doing a little bit of reading and saw that, like, Charlie Kaufman wanted a different ending where, like, they don't end up together, um, mm-hmm. which I think would have been kind of a bummer. Like, I think this yeah. movie has, like, a really beautiful ending. Yeah, um, yeah. It's really sweet. Apparently, Tracy Morgan was going to be in this movie, <laughs> Uh, did you oh, hear about that? Yeah, I read that. <laughs> That's, that is the alternate universe cut yeah. I would like to see. Uh, and also, uh, Nick Cage was considered to be casted for the role of Joe, and Bjork was considered for the role of Clementine. So there is yeah. a universe out there where Tracy Morgan is the neighbor to Nicolas Cage, <laughs> who is dating Bjork. Um, <laughs> That'd be great. Would that have um, been the better movie? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It would be a movie I would enjoy watching, but I don't think it would be like... <laughs> the highly accoladed version that this is. Um, another piece that I like is towards the end when they're having their argument inside of this like empty house um, and there's like water, ocean water rising up to like his ankles inside of this building. And apparently the way that they achieved that was just by building a house on the beach and waiting yeah. for the tide to rise. And like apparently, like the day, like some of the day worker or like the crew, like wasn't down for that, and so Michelle Gondry just fired them and just had like yeah, the available rest of the crew. <laughs> yeah, that's like fucking incredible. I heard, yeah, I heard some stories about Michelle Gondry where I was like, is Michelle Gondry like a dick? Like, <laughs> so there was this Jim Carrey has a story about how I think he had just gone through a divorce like a year before this or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, and that he had a meeting with Michelle Gondry about this movie, and that Michelle Gondry told him. Uh, you look so beautiful and broken right now. I hope you don't get better. Like, because he wanted him to hold on to it for the role. 
and that like Jim Carrey was like, that's so fucked up. Like, yeah, that is. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jim Carrey wasn't allowed to improvise. All the other actors were allowed to improvise. I think they maybe were worried because Jim Carrey is a comedian that he would be too funny or something. Uh, or maybe they, I, th- I think I'd read that like the restraint of not being allowed to uh, may have helped his character, you know, seem uncomfortable and stuff like that. Um. <clears throat> yeah, and I think that definitely helps a lot. Um, this is like obviously a very fucking amazing, um, like dramatic performance from Jim Carrey. Yeah. I think it's like I our think, first like, dramatic performance from him, right? No, I think the Truman Show. I think oh, that's still okay. Yeah, Truman I think Show. that edges out at least for me a little bit more, um, just because it also it fits in that same category of his dramatic science fiction adjacent, um, but also like focused on a man dealing with trauma and like a man like just longing for something and like just the visual representation of like his world sort of being out of control in that weird way. And yeah, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. The Truman show. But, um, he also, he gets kind of like, he does have some moments of that where there is like that nineties Jim Carrey, where he does get like big in his performance and kind of like just, just, very facial with his expressions and that does happen here but just not as much he was also a man on the moon in 99 so yeah he had been he had already been making that curvature to more serious actor i guess Um, yeah what do you think about kate winslet i was gonna say did you see man on the moon i haven't seen it no i haven't seen it what do i think of kate winslet um like i said i found clementine annoying (laughs) (laughs) which is not to say like it's hard for me to judge her performance like because i've find the character annoying i feel like she's doing a good job portraying it annoying character um yeah i think she, i heard i read somewhere that she says this is like one of her favorite roles to have played uh, if not her favorite um which i find interesting i okay. I, I heard she was being sort of uh put in a lot of like period pieces and stuff so this gave her an opportunity to break out of that yeah yeah what do you think yeah de- um, yeah, I think she's great. Yeah, I said, like, my first instinct was, like, yeah, it kind of manic pixie dream girl, but also they sort of take that back and sort of pull that rug out, and they don't let them pull the rug out, but they sort of, they walk that back, and they sort of give us a, a visual, sort of, sorry, a, a line in the script that den- that denounces it. But um, I also, I think, uh, sorry, I wrote this down. Um, Yeah, yeah, I think she's great. I think she's really good in this. Um, it is uh, interesting to me that, like, halfway through, like, within his memories, she goes from being just, like, the Clementine we've known to being... Like, once they're on the run and she he's, like, hiding her in other memories, she becomes... It feels like she becomes a much more, like, nurturing person. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that they sort of choose to help them collaborate in that sort of chase and so she's yeah. like give, helping him get through this and find a way out and she does sort of give him the the whisper at the end she's a Mimi and Montauk and sort of to yeah. help to just plant that seed to help rebuild the relationship um, damn I think I might have just blanked on what my thought of her on uh, uh, yeah but I think I think she's really good in this um, yeah I, I like that there is like depth and like details about her that we do find out it's like she has like a drinking problem sort of like she like sort of has a reliance on that a little yeah, bit she gets in a car, drunk driving accident leaves the car at the side of the accident that's when yeah. it's like come on clementine like yeah come on jo- like joel had every reason to be upset <laughs> like, yeah. not okay 
Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I like, yeah, she just has like a, a very real like sweetness to her. Like when they go to the flea market and she's like, mentions that she wants to have kids and that he just like completely shuts it down but then she like just kind of explodes out like at him i don't know all of it just felt really real and yeah. felt really natural and yeah and also oh, I, now i found it okay so yeah there's this whole thing about they were like finding different actors for this role and she stuck out because she was one of the only ones that actually like criticized the script instead oh, yeah. of just like completely like praising it and gushing over it which i thought was really interesting yeah, she was actually thinking about it a little more critically, I guess. Yeah, but actually, while watching this, I was th- I was more kind of zoned in on Kirsten Dunst's character and the relationship she has with uh, Mark Ruffalo's character, uh, yeah. Stan. I was lo- way more interested in that because there's a moment that they have that resonated so much with me. I, I was going to ask, like, if there's anything in this movie that like really rings true to you as far as like relationships and love and sort of like that. Like the thing that on it, like the thing that hit me the hardest is when he's like, when Joel is putting all of her stuff together after the breakup, like it, yeah. like I, yeah, it reminded me, like I had a messy breakup and like, I remember like, uh, I was actually just telling Max about this today that like, um, like I had bought this girl, uh, uncle meat by Frank Zappa, uh, this, this <laughs> album, she was a big Frank Zappa fan and I had intended to give it to her. And then we broke up and it was like still at my house. And I was like, had that moment of like, do I like, I didn't buy this for me. I bought this for her. Like, do I still <laughs> give it to her? Yeah. Um, and I, I ultimately did. Uh, but it is just, I don't know, living amongst all of these items that you attribute all these memories to. It's just, and you no longer want that person in your life. It's just, uh, yeah. Yeah. That it's took heavy. me somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, speaking yeah. to the um, the Stan and what's her name Mary uh, relationship, I just think I think it's really great that this movie, the interior plot line of like inside Joel's mind, is like the exterior stuff is just as interesting. Like, yeah. it, I, like it's very easy to get caught up in the drama of what is happening outside of of his body and outside of his mind. Uh, I love that these scientists are portrayed as like playful uh they're not just like buttoned up you know lab coat scientists like they're getting drunk yeah. they're listening to the clash and stuff and yeah smoking a little weed <laughs> yeah dancing in their underwear <laughs> like yeah. uh i don't know this movie has so much life in it it's yeah it's really special um, yeah and also i think it, it's a great bonus that this is like since it's an early 2000s movie we have like just the casting is just fucking ridiculous like yeah. we have mark ruffalo kirsten dunce elijah wood as like this really slimy dude yeah, he's like steals stealing underwear. <laughs> stealing clementine's underwear and like tom wilkinson as the doctor yes yeah, i think that yeah. it's just perfectly cast but i was gonna say um as far as like connecting to the theme of love like something i felt was incredibly poignant and resonated with me is when after the climax and she's leaving the office and he goes up to her and she's like did you notice anything like like about like me getting erased like me having him erased from mm-hmm. my mind and he's like no but there was one moment where you were talking to him outside of your car and you looked happy and you looked happy to like have a secret yeah and that just kind of hit me in a way i, I wasn't really expecting because like i've had moments it's like being single trying to like date or even just like just to get to know someone more and like being in like 
like going like getting coffee or just like seeing a movie or something and the person is just like completely unengaged mm. and just like on their phone the entire time or something like that i'm mm. just like i know what it's like to be with someone that's like interested in me and so when i have those feelings towards someone and it isn't there it's so fucking like obvious and so my yeah. mind is always just like he i think the word that he uses um he like uh like I thought I was imagining things and I think that sort of ties mm-hmm. into like just like that reality of of when you're in that moment of or that state of pursuing someone it's like sometimes your mind just fucking goes crazy and like just takes the smallest bit of information and, and sprints off with it yeah like, oh they're Unhealthy fucking ways. in love <laughs> yeah they're in love with someone else or whatever it's like this someone else something going on and yeah just I don't know he his delivery of that just felt so real and so vulnerable and like that's another relationship or like connection in this movie that you sort of get left with a question mark like you don't really know what their future is going to be and i i like that yeah yeah i mean it's like i don't know i don't know if i would trust mark ruffalo after so <laughs> i mean like because like he like honks the horns so that uh you know what's his name dr mirziak mirziak <laughs> yeah. he his horn so the uh, the doctor's wife like in hopes of alerting him that his wife is coming uh and it's like yeah. know, it's kind of sleazy <laughs> like, yeah also i feel like he might have been the person to call her in the first place like i don't think that's ever explicitly oh, stated but that's what i, I thought in that, that moment of being like but he's then it's like because like, she does say his... thank you yeah, but yeah. is that just like a sarcastic? Because she also like tries to beat the shit out of him. Yeah, she starts hitting him a little bit. But yeah, I don't know. It, I I resonated with him a little bit more because I was just like, okay, like he 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 wants to be with uh, this character. Uh, her name is Mary. He wants to be with Mary, but like is like kind of has suspicions that Mary is in, interested in not only this older man but their older like coworker, their, yeah. their colleague, and so like he kind of wants to like break that up and so i don't know i i kind of mm. i i under, i understand where that that saltiness comes from mm. yeah what did you think of uh our friends david cross and jane adams <laughs> i love it, it really, i really appreciate it, it was really nice seeing them in this yeah uh, i think like they're a, a nice album. yeah i think a good representation of this like yeah, a couple that is kind of messy, but also is like making they're it work. It together. They're keeping it together. Yeah, they're, they're only good together. Um, I think they pro- gave. They're, yeah, their problems seem dumb enough that they can get over them. Yeah, so she's like trying to clean the house and like make dinner or something. He's like smashing a nail into <laughs> yeah. a birdhouse. Like I'm trying to make a birdhouse. Like <laughs> just being, <laughs> just being so obnoxious. But I think I really appreciate them being in this movie. I think David Cross has. The line that sort of kind of goes under the radar, kind of gets snuck in there, that made me laugh the most is uh, it's towards the end. It's after, it's right after the scene inside of this empty house, and things start to kind of break down a little bit more visually. We get like a really chaotic stream of images where the camera's like following Joel through a bunch of memories at once, and Rob and Carrie are having an argument that's taking place after when they're at the beach together. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I didn't crash the plane. The plane crashed. Like it was windy. <laughs> yeah. And then Carrie's like, you were drunk and stoned. And, and Rob replies, well, pop brings me back, da- back, back up. That's why I smoke it. And I just fucking just loved like, that little petty argument. There's... I feel like the, all that had to be improvised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I really appreciate it. And also when we first like have, 
uh, earlier moment, early in the movie, when Joel is inside of the bookstore, and he, like, walks out of the bookstore into their apartment, mm-hmm. and it's just, like, a nice little introduction to just, like, the visual motifs of the movie. It's just, it all works really well. Yeah. I fucking love it. Yeah. So good. It's like, how do you write this? Like, what did that yeah. screenplay look like? How many interior exteriors were there on each page? Yeah. Uh, how many voiceovers, narrations, and <laughs> all yeah. of those things on the page can get yeah, kind of dizzying. Yeah. I don't know. It works. I, I would love to see the same thing for, like, adaptation. Let's see, like, how that screenplay plays out. Yeah. Charlie Kaufman is very special. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like this movie is at this cross-section of, like, independent film and just, like, this radical new age, like, filmmaking of just, like, it's, everything is, like, everything is exactly where you want it to be. Yeah, it's a miracle movie. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Um, any other thoughts on Eternal Sunshine? I feel like, you, could he keep going? <laughs> go, yeah, go, we, go. We, we, could, we could gush <laughs> about this movie. We can gush about so many like amazing moments in this movie um one i guess one thing i'll do a little bit of a curveball do something a little bit different so there are two hip-hop related things just in the the lexicon that i think are really fascinating that sort of connected to this movie um one is there is a rapper by the name of lz and lz has a song called february and the music video for february is a tribute to eternal sunshine of the spotless mind where Mm -hmm that's kind of like the general theme is dealing with like memories and like people kind of disappearing out of frame. And like, he's rapping the verse while he has like the, the metal like device on his head. I think it's really fucking cool. But um, the lyrics of the song are like a tribute to his deceased friend and former uh, musical uh, cohort collaborator, Jay Dilla. And so it's a really like sweet and like heartfelt song about, someone that's like gone out of your life and it tie i think it ties in fucking perfectly with mm-hmm. like the visual theme of eternal sunshine and also just like the beat is fantastic it's just one of those things where it just it all kind of comes together like really nicely in a way that i think hip-hop is really like really great at doing of just being like a lyrical medium of like expressing yourself emotionally and so when you have like these like rappers who fucking nerd out about movies and like so you can use uh, like a music video to like make a tribute to a movie like this. And I think that's one really interesting like connection. But also, there's an MC by the name of Jay Electronica who has a mixtape called Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, where he raps over the instrumentation, like the score mm. from this movie. And it's like a really trippy, like cloudy kind of like music, <laughs> like a tape. I don't. I, it's called a mixtape, but it's like three songs kind of like strung together and it's only like 17 minutes and so i hesitate to call it like a mixtape it's more of just like a song like a like a long i look at it like a long song essentially or it's like one piece of work but it's kind of gorgeous i really fucking love it it's like like john bryan's or i think is that his name um uh, yeah yeah john bryan's like his score is like really like sweet and like distant and like has like it's this eeriness to it with like just like the the way the strings are kind of playing and yeah to hear like him rap over that for like 15 17 minutes with like no drums or anything it's like it, it's really gorgeous it's like a really fucking well done piece of music and i don't know i just like that there's two 
kind of really like direct connections from like the world of hip hop to like eternal sunshine and the spotless mind, which like you probably wouldn't assume by just like watching this movie, like this early 2000s movie about like memory and like erasing past lovers from your mind. I don't think you would like immediately think like, Oh yeah, like rappers would love that. But yeah. like somehow it, it made a connection. So who, just, who was I, the second artist that you mentioned? Second wanna, artist, J electronica. J electronica. Okay. I want to check that out. Yeah, somewhat of a controversial person. Went from being uh, homeless on the streets of New Orleans to he dated a Rothschild at one point. Mm. Uh, Good for him. <laughs> yeah, he had a he, he has an absolute batshit crazy life. But that was a tape he did like pretty early on huh. in his career, and yeah, really interesting. And I also recommend the music video for February. It's also fucking gorgeous. Okay, I'll check those out. Yeah, that's uh, that might be it for me for this movie. What have you been watching lately? Um, so, been watching a couple things. I, I well, at least I'll start this. I watched Possession. Uh, Possession. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was not prepared for that. It fucking, it kind of kicked my ass a little bit. I wasn't yeah. like, it was, it's it's definitely a very intense movie. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching it again now that I like I've gone through that ride and sort yeah. of know what to expect that's a lot of, yeah sit back and like watch and enjoy the details of it a bit more because yeah you want to talk about a messy relationship yeah, <laughs> it's definitely Jesus a messy Christ. relationship in that movie what a fucking double feature that must have been <clears throat> yeah. yeah actually i think i watched that in uh terrifier on the same oh, night oh, it's okay. like uh, yeah, I've heard good things about Terrifier 2. I did not enjoy Terrifier 1. Yeah, I got halfway through and I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm lying to myself and telling myself that this is worthwhile. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I didn't care for it, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think I give it props for being clearly a low-budget feature and being, like, the work of people who just, they love the craft and they want to yeah. do something fucked up. And then, like, I appreciate low-budget film. Go for it. Get the camera crew together. Make it happen. But, yeah, it's just a little... It is a little much. It's very gory. Very minimal plot. Yeah. Wasn't really into it. But, yeah, I liked Possession. Um, I think I would like it more on rewatch. But, yeah, like you said, it's fucking insane. An insane movie. And <laughs> yeah. just remember, seems to... So unlikely that it could be in existence. I remember the first time I watched Possession, I felt physically exhausted by the end of it. Like, I felt, like, <laughs> yeah, drained. Yeah. Um, and then movies never made me feel that way. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, yeah. Just Sam Neill's great. Um, that female actress, Blank Melanie, right now. Yeah, I don't have. Yeah, Isabel Anjani. She's absolutely fantastic. And yeah, just the the slow burn. It's like a very slow, eerie burn. Slow, eerie burn to when you finally get to yeah. things kind of exploding, <laughs> getting just nuts. Um. That was the main kind of horror thing I watched, but also last night I watched uh, Misery for mm -hmm. the first time. Oh, nice. Um, <clears throat> have you seen it? I'm not sure. <laughs> like, I'm not sure if I've seen it or if I've just seen enough of it that I'm pretty familiar with the movie. Yeah. I know, like, I've seen plenty of parodies of it or, like, references to it um, throughout, like, cartoons and shit, like The Simpsons. But I feel like it would come on TV when I was younger or something. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, 
like after watching Terrifier and then watching Misery, I think I was like, oh yeah, I'm much more into thrillers and psychological mm-hmm. thrillers, and I think that also that fits in perfectly for this time of year, Halloween season, wanting to watch scary shit, weird shit, people like being extreme or like strange. I think that kind of fits into my sensibilities a little bit more as opposed to something like Terrifier, where it feels like just mindless, senseless gore. And yeah. It's just like a, a splatter fest versus like we're seeing like two people like just dealing with a very real situation and just like how, <laughs> like how raw and yeah. how like believable it could actually be for, yeah, it's like a man being held captive by a very fanatic person. And this fanatic person played by Kathy Bates, who's, who's incredible. incredible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely incredible. Definitely deserved the Oscar for that year. But yeah, just like just her mood swings are just like just so believable and so real that it puts me on edge in a way that I feel a little bit more into that as opposed to just seeing how crazy yeah, makeup art, art can get the clown her. rub shit all over the place or something. <laughs> Cut a woman yeah. in half. Yeah, that was that was really fucked up. And I was like, yeah. okay, that's <laughs> this is this is just fucking stupid. Like I remember because I thought I heard that like Terrifier was supposed to be good. And so, like, I put it on, and, like, I'm, like, 15 minutes in, and I'm, like, is this, am I wrong? Like, did I get the wrong movie? Like, so I'm, like, looking at reviews. If you go to Letterboxd, you look at the reviews, it's, everyone's just saying, like, this movie is incredibly misogynist. (laughs) (laughs) And I was, like, okay, like, but this is the movie that people seem to be excited about. So, what I've heard is people just like Art the Clown. Like, they feel like Art the Clown should be sort of a you know a slasher staple the way Ghostface or michael myers is um, yeah because and maybe i don't know yeah like well it's just like we don't really have the like what was the last like the newest sort of slasher villain icon you know yeah there, it's not really a thing even in like these elevated a24 movies there's not really like a mascot so yeah, to speak or like a, a person to really to like lash on black philip <laughs> maybe yeah i don't know but yeah I, I appreciate the fact that yeah he's silent and i like the fact that he he's got like the yeah the black and white thing going on i, I thought that was interesting it's an interesting design but, like he does look a little scary so. yeah but yeah it's it's it was kind of rough um yeah yeah it's kind of a mess but yeah i do think i'm gonna start looking up for more like thrillers as opposed to just like just complete slashers yeah. but i have heard good things about terrifier too so i might I, I might check it out just because good things from who is now the, what the question we should be asking that is, that is a very good asterisk on that so um i don't know if this is the, the greatest person to, to get recommended you're gonna out someone from. on this podcast <laughs> a... yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna out him uh so the person who said that who tweeted that was flying lotus uh, like, oh, yeah, okay this is, this is yeah. much better than i thought and i was like like your taste is also questionable yeah. so it's like huh. I know what kind of movies you make, sir. You make <laughs> you make strange movies, yeah. so we'll see. But yeah. Um, and then lastly, uh, very quick, I'm not even going to really discuss it, but um, I've been waiting to watch The King's Jester by uh, Hassan Minhaj. Uh, like, I was waiting for it to be available on streaming. It finally was. Fucking loved it. I think he's incredible. I love The Patriot Act. I thought that was, like, the best thing on Netflix. I was so fucking sad when they canceled it. And, his specials are always really great. He has the visual elements going on and kind of has like, yeah, p- political controversies around him for being outspoken. And 
I highly, highly recommend that for people who want to watch something that's not horror. If you want to watch something comedy, watch The King's Jester. It's fucking awesome. So yeah, that's it for me. What have you been watching this week? Uh, so did I already mention Triangle of Sadness on this show? No. Okay. So I watched Triangle of Sadness, which is from it's from the director of Force Majeure. Uh, I'm trying, struggling to remember what his name is. Uh, Ruben Osland. Uh, he's a Swedish film, filmmaker. Triangle of Sadness. What it is? It's about a bunch of uh, a bunch of rich people on a yacht. Uh, that is captained by a uh, American communist, um, but it's like a bunch of like okay. rich capitalist Russians and Swedes and uh, Europeans and uh, and the ship uh, gets a rockin', the food gets us spoiled, and people get a pukin'. Um, <laughs> it is just tons and tons of vomit. Uh, people like on the ground that is covered in vomit just like being swept side to side as the (laughs) ship rocks back and forth meanwhile Woody Harrelson who plays our communist captain uh, just eats his burger gets drunk uh, and him and a a Russian capitalist uh, get on get on mic over the intercom and just start spouting ideology at at each other uh, as they get drunker and drunker <laughs> um it's a pretty funny movie <laughs> and like okay. like if you watch the trailer like that seems like that's what the movie is but then i feel like about halfway through uh it takes a turn and it becomes a movie that i didn't expect it to be at all um and it's not like it takes a turn and becomes a horror movie or anything like that it's just like the plot develops in a way that i didn't expect it to it maintains being a comedy but it uh, it continues to play around with the ingredients of a bunch of rich people put together and the power dynamics that exist between them um, in a very okay. funny way. Um, yeah, it was a fun time. Fun time at the theater. Uh, it's like two and a half hours long or something like that, so it's pretty long. Okay. Honestly, I feel like it could have been 20 minutes longer. <laughs> I feel like I could have kept watching that movie, so it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, other than that, I watched... Near Dark, which is Catherine Bigelow's uh, vampire movie, I want to say from like 1984. Um, okay. It's got uh, Lance Henriksen in it, and uh, gosh, what's his name? I just watched a lot of movies with him, and I'm struggling to remember. Bill Paxton. Uh, oh, okay. It's been a very Bill Paxton heavy couple months for me. Um, but yeah, uh, it definitely has. <laughs> But yeah, like watching this movie, it's like, okay, yeah, this is definitely from the director of Point Break. Uh, instead of having a, you know, group of surfers, we got a group of vampires all hanging out. Um, everyone looks really cool. And it kind of reminded me of Drive, which is odd. Uh, but it reminded okay. me of that movie in the sense that, like, it looks nice, it sounds nice, but I can't really get emotionally invested in it. Um, I know a lot of people really love that movie, but it's just not for me. But, uh, yeah, the main character in Near Dark is just kind of a non-character. We don't really spend enough time with him to really care and get a sense of his personality. Uh, we're mostly just watching him degrade. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, let me actually explain what the plot is. Uh, (laughs) this man is a, this guy picks up a a woman, a hitchhiker, and they kind of hit it off, have like a little romantic 
interaction she bites him he becomes a vampire um he gets picked up by her gang of vampires and they want they tell him you know you got to kill you got to kill him you got to drink otherwise you're gonna die (laughs) and he's struggling with like not wanting to kill and that's like the main conflict of the movie um and the the rest of this this vampire gang they're uh they're bad news you know they don't they don't care about nobody they'll kill whoever (laughs) um but uh yeah it's kind of just a vibe like it's not like the conflict it doesn't really strike me emotionally uh the characters i can't get emotionally invested in but there's a really good bar scene where bill paxton you know this guy's got him by the throat he's like choking him bill paxton takes the guy's sunglasses puts them on his own face murders the man (laughs) and then like i think he like drinks his blood and so now you got bill paxton in like a leather jacket like jeans on with like spurs uh bloody mouth sunglasses got a shotgun over his shoulder and he just looks like the coolest fucking dude (laughs) so yeah it's worth watching cinema (laughs) yeah it's worth watching just for that um that's great so yeah if you're if you're down for a movie that's just kind of a vibe uh spooky vampire vibe then yeah check out your dark Um, yeah i'm i'm into it um I, I guess as I was younger, I wasn't crazy about vampire stuff, but yeah, I think if it's like cheesy vampire shit, not like super cheesy like Twilight, but if yeah. it's like 80s kind of bloody, you know, uh, campy, I'm into that. Yeah. Sounds like a fun time. <clears throat> uh, one last thing. Did you see, are you, were you a Silent Hill fan? Like the games? Uh, so never played any of them. I've seen the movie. And I think I played like the demo for three and mm. I noped out because I was younger and I was like, this is, this is too fucking terrifying. <laughs> I can't even play this. But I think it's been uh, like 10 years since the last game and yeah. Konami just announced that they're releasing like four new games and a movie, yeah. uh, which is crazy. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. That's, that should be a good time. Yeah. I feel like I've, I've arrived a little bit late to like the horror game thing. Like I'm into the new resident evil. Yeah. Like, like, the remake. I think yeah, I think it was six and seven. I think, uh, like, the yeah seven, seven I and enjoyed. eight. Uh, seven's the one in the house, I think, and then eight is village. I'm pretty sure. Okay, okay, so yeah, seven and eight. I'm a big fan of both of those. Yeah. I think more so eight. Eight was like a lot. I still got to do that one. I just finished seven, actually. Okay. Yeah. What'd you think? Uh, the last few hours is kind of just like. <laughs> I'm just. It, I just was going through the motions. It felt like it. Like it kind of. Yeah, drop the ball. I feel like in the last few hours. Yeah, yeah. I think it starts off really solid. It starts I think off I love, so good, like so effective. I think the yeah, like how it's structured. I think is really fucking great. Like dealing with each different family members is really brilliant. But then yeah, it kind of turns into just like a resident, a regular Resident Evil yeah. game towards the end, where it's just squiggly squid things. <laughs> I mean, being shot. So I did play it on easy because I'm a wuss and like yeah. uh like it's just that game it was the horror is so effective that I'm like I need to feel at least a little empowered <laughs> so that I yeah, can like totally. navigate yeah. to this terror. But then by the end, like then last few hours it's mostly combat. It's like not even really horror. Yeah, it's just yeah. like a little bit of puzzle solving and some combat. And so the character, and you have like all these weapons now. So the character became so powerful that it was just like, well, now I'm just kind of breezing through this and there's no tension. And uh, so maybe I, I kind of shot myself in the foot, but um, I don't know, maybe, or maybe it just needed to be a little more balanced. Um, maybe, yeah. 
I think that's accurate. I think the general consensus is, yeah, like, it's it starts off really fucking great, but then, yeah, that last act is a little little shaky. I'm really curious what you think about Village. Yeah, I'm excited to do that one. Um, like I mean, one the first PS5 games <clears throat> I played. I think I'm going to go backwards, though. I, I, I've never finished the first one. I've only gotten, like, a little bit into it. Now that I have the Steam Deck, I'll probably play it on that, so I can just, like, put it down, pick it up. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think I bought the remakes of two and three. So, and now they're doing okay. a remake of four. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. See, I did that during pandemic. I played two and three, but I played three first, and oh, yeah. I wasn't crazy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- I will. I won't say much about it, but I think they just cut out a lot of stuff from that game. Mm. Um, two felt like a much longer campaign and a much more worthwhile kind of experience. Okay. Yeah, looking forward to trying that one. Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, probably, since you've been busy doing stuff, you probably have you chosen a I have chosen a movie. Uh, so okay. we will not be recording next week because I am out with, you know, wedding, family plans, all sorts of stuff. <clears throat> but that gives us plenty of time to watch a long movie. And okay. because we're doing love... We might as well do that long fucking movie that everyone loves so much <laughs> and that I've never seen. Titanic. <laughs> All right. Let's fucking do Titanic. Let's <laughs> fucking go. They say that ship is unsinkable. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> I was yeah. I was considering doing Punch Strong Love, but it's like, well, we just did a movie scored by John Bryan featuring an actor who is mostly known for comedies in a serious role like let's let's go so a different direction oh <laughs> well i'll say this if our viewers want to watch punch truck love and they want to include it in our little time off go for it because i also might watch punch truck <laughs> you might love watch it well. anyway yeah. i might do a double feature punch truck love and hubie halloween oh wonderful adam sandler the package hubes. Yeah. the hubes yeah, yeah. Cool. and then you can Looking envision for... what each movie would look like if you took those roles and swapped movies <laughs> that'd be great cool all right titanic james cameron mm-hmm. king of the world looking forward to it okay well this has been episode 105 of vague zone if you'd like to contact us you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at vague zone let us know what you're watching what you're doing let us know anything we'll down to tweet back yeah, this has been episode 105, the season of love. Got one more left. Got Titanic coming up. So, yeah. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. We'll see you next time. Change your heart. It will astound you. And I need your love. Like the sunshine, and everybody's done.